Hey everyone, how's it doing? Welcome to Emmanuel Online. It's so good to be together. Hope you had a good week. The sun has been so hot and the weather's been absolutely gorgeous. But we've got some time right now to take the next bit of time to draw near to God together. So welcome if you're watching over the city of Brighton and Hove. If you're watching live in this moment or watching later on in the week, we've, I'm so glad we can connect together online. Many people now meeting in person, but for those of you who can't yet, we've got some space here digitally that we can connect together. We've got a fantastic hour ahead. And if you're new to the Christian faith or just looking in, my prayer is is that above all you would meet the person of Jesus. He's so incredible and every week, every day he's changing lives in this city. My prayer is today that you'd get to know Jesus more. Before we kick off with some songs of worship, I want to read um, some verses to you from Psalm 84 to help us understand what this Jesus is like. And it says this in Psalm 84 verse 11, for the Lord God is a son and shield. This is what Jesus is like. He's the sun that shines favour on us, goodness on us. He's also a shield. He protects us from judgment, protects us from condemnation. The Lord bestows favour and honour. This is what Jesus is like. He honours you. Jesus comes to you, he gives you, bestows favour and honour. It goes on to say this, no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is upright. You know, Jesus is generous with his favour and generous with his blessing. And you know what, you might be thinking, my walk isn't always upright. Same here, same here. Jesus walked perfectly before God in an upright way and his perfect life and all the favour that he deserves, he gives lavishly to us today. So over this next hour, as we draw near to God in worship, we get to be those who have the, the righteousness of this amazing Jesus. And because of that, the Father is just pouring out goodness upon us. So I want to encourage you, if you want to stand and sing these songs, do that. If you want to just sit and reflect to these songs, but let's draw near to God and worship him. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for this sun and shield. Thank him for not withholding any goodness in our lives. He's given us Jesus. How long will you give us alongside him everything else that we ever needed he's the promise keeper he's the goodness giver let's worship this God together I'm going to hand over to Dan and Larissa let's worship God together he's a good God amen we lift our eyes to him this morning Turns to darkness through the struggles, through the 
everything that can take our attention, we choose to lift our eyes to you, to set our eyes on you, to remember everything that you've done for us, to remember every way that you work in our lives, in the morning, in the evening, in the good times and bad. And we set what you've done before us, we set your love before us, Jesus, what you did on the cross, we set that before us this morning. Let's sing together when I survey. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Okay. 
from his head. See from his head, his hands, his feet.
Let's just take a moment just to just pause here and adore the Lord Jesus again. Just come before him in this moment. Given for you, poured out life, poured out his blood as a sign of love. And just wherever you are right in this moment, I want to just encourage you, draw near to the person of Jesus. We've just been singing our comforter, our all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. Just take a moment and just, just receive the love of Jesus. Thank you so much, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for the height, the breadth of it, the depth of it. Thank you, this Christ that surpasses head knowledge, goes right into our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit. We just pray, even right now, as we gaze again to see the hands, the feet, the sorrow and love mingle down. Thank you. That's what love looks like. So we just say, come, Holy Spirit. Come and bring the love of God to us again. Because if you are in a place of need and struggle, I want to encourage you. Let's just drop our burdens down at the foot of the cross. Just come again to the, to the Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus, thank you. You know every single person um, watching this today. You know our needs, our need, our struggles, our blessings. You know our stories. You know our lives. And you care for each individual. I want to pray, God, over this, this time we've got today in this service. Draw close to us. Remind us again of who you are. Keep us from just looking inward, but looking upward. Right now, we have a God in heaven with scars on his hands. Scars that say, I love you. I've died for you. You don't have to carry the weight of that sin. Come to me. Come to me. Friends just watching this, come to Jesus right now. Come to him. We just pray for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, you guys. Well, we've got a little treat uh, today. We've got two friends who've joined us in the studio. We're going to go and meet them now. We've got a little interview. So come and say hi uh, over here. Hey, you guys. How's it going? Good, Jay. Good, thank you. So, Theo, Emily. Hi. Hey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for us. Yeah, you guys, um, just by way of introduction, if you don't know them, these two are in the youth here at Emmanuel. You're both 17? 17, yeah. 17. And I wanted to come and invite you on just to ask you a couple of stories. And it's a big week for the youth in Emmanuel, which I'm going to talk to you about in a moment. Um, but for you guys, start with you, Emily. What's God been doing in your life just recently over the last few months or so? Um, obviously, it's been a really like difficult year with like youth and everything. But um, I do really feel like God has been using me in a series of ways. Like He's um, been encouraging me to like take on leadership roles at college. Um, I felt called to lead the Christian Union at college. Brilliant. Um, yeah, that was like really challenging. I was a bit like nervous at first. I was like, oh, I don't think that's right for me but and then I really felt God called me nah, to do that this. yeah Good. yeah definitely so you've been leading CU at college mm -hmm. tell us what, what else has been happening um so the people at Christian Union they've kind of like started coming to youth like a few of them and some of them are coming to the camping trip that we're going on next yeah, week yeah. and I've invited them to like the new day online as well so yeah that's been really really cool yeah amazing and also mm -hmm. There's some people who see you. There's some people that haven't known Jesus. Yeah. Tell us what's been going on there as well. Um, so, yeah, when I was back at school, um, me and Jesse went to the same school and he invited four girls from 
our school and they did not know Jesus at all and I obviously knew them so I was able to befriend them and um, through a youth group and everything we saw two salvations. Uh, amazing. Yeah, that was really, really amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, wow, God's been doing a lot mm -hmm. with you. Yeah. An amazing Definitely. evangelistical heart to see people know Jesus. Um, Theo, how are you, brother? Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, as Emily said, this has been a difficult season for, for everyone. Um, but I think it, youth has been a massive help for, for me in particular. I just I've really appreciated the, the communal aspect of, of youth. I've really liked how um, open everyone is and everyone's just really willing to chat about all the different struggles that we're going through. Um, yeah, you've been really good because everyone's everyone's obviously the similar age, so everyone's going through similar issues. Um, but yeah, it's been really nice to be able to just chat to different people through youth and yeah, see more people come to youth, which has been yeah, it's just been really good. Yeah. What's helped you just like personally um, over COVID, over lockdown, a lot of isolation? What, how's the youth group just been helpful for you? Uh, I think I think the brotherhood of um, just strong Christian mates who are of similar age, who are really good friends of mine, but also really, really strong in their faith. Just being able to talk to them and pray with them and just, it's just, yeah, it's been really helpful just being able to have people going through similar stuff to me. Um, but yeah, that's been helpful. Amazing. Now you mentioned we've got New Day next week. Uh, New Day would normally be a big festival with like thousands of people coming together, but because of COVID, even now, we've not been able to do that. But we've got New Day live and online. So three days online next week. What would you say just to parents, other youth looking in today, um, one or two things we'd best to pray for, for Emmanuel Youth going to, it's a big weekend too, got the um, youth weekend away, followed by this new day live and online. How can we best pray for the youth of this church? What would be a great prayer for us? Um, I think just to pray that people like grow in their faith and in their giftings in God and really like develop um, their relationship with Jesus. That would just be like the main thing, like them completely putting all their trust in Jesus. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'd say um, for continued wisdom and strength to, to want to invite more people to youth, want to invite them to more events like the weekend and uh, like New Day, for example. Um, but yeah, just continued strength and knowing what to say and having the courage to be able to invite people in our workplaces, in our colleges, just to really come to know Jesus. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Guys, it's been amazing. I'd love to pray for you. I want to invite you guys just watching in today. If you're live in this moment or later on in the week, can you stop right now and just join me just for 60 seconds? Why don't we just pray for the young people of our church and of this city? Let's just pray our best prayers as they go to this weekend away and as they're heading off to the New Day week next week. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we love hearing stories of, of a CU with an evangelistical emphasis of seeing young teenage people come to meet Jesus. We love hearing a story of even through the, the stresses and loneliness of lockdown, hearing of a brotherhood, just being able to walk in faith together. And God, we want to pray for the young people of this church that as they go into this week and with New Day, God, that you would strengthen them, that you'd give them great faith. And most importantly, Jesus, they see you in a fresh way, that you would meet with them, that they would have a real deepened relationship with you and with one another. And God, we just bring the youth of our city to you, such a key age and demographic. God, would you bring many, many, many more hearts to come and know the truth of a God who loves them, who's died for their sin and shame and wants to knit them into the communities of heaven and of this church. So we just commit this, this team to you, say, God, have your hand on them. We just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 
Well, listen, um, we did talk about New Day. If you don't know anything about it, maybe you are a young person right now just watching this, like, oh, okay, this sounds interesting. In a moment, I'd love to just roll a video just to show you a bit more about it, but you can still turn up to this. There'll be a link that we're going to post below this video if you're interested in Emmanuel Youth or in New Day Live and Online. But right now, let's roll the video. Three, two, one. I feel very much at home here. Let's go! So I've got this thing called the Stealth Wing. Oh, you're wrong, it was strawberry yogurt! But with big beards comes big wisdom. Now that I know Jesus, I can see that he's pulled me out of darkness. That is why I have hope for the future. You have been redeemed, you have been saved, you have been justified. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Only thing is the blood of Christ. But I'm in the ring with you, I'm battling too. There's definitely hope because this is different. When you actually ask the creator, who am I? Help me see through your eyes. He wants to bring healing, physical healing, spiritual healing, mental healing. When I say new, you say they. New day! Let's go. Well, that's New Day, live online. It's happening this week, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. There's tough questions in the mornings, uh, looking at some difficult things, and then in the evenings, we're going live on YouTube. Literally thousands of people connecting over the country. That's New Day, live and online. Listen, we're here on YouTube, digitally connecting with you, but did you know on Sundays, we can gather together as the church, physically in person? Do you remember that? We actually used to meet with people and you could see people. We're doing that. The Clarendon Centre is opened up, the, the Clarendon Villas is opened up 10am. We've got some other prayer meetings happening at Oasis and over in Shoreham. If you haven't made it to one of these yet, can I encourage you? The church isn't a building, it's people, and we get to gather together as a people. There's great significance being gathered as the church together. It does say in Hebrews, let's not neglect meeting together. Come on, if you haven't done it yet, let's, let's get together if we can. Masks on, we can still do it in a safe social distance way, but it's a great opportunity to sing together and be together. Listen, now's the moment of the service. We're going to just take a time to reflect on God's generosity towards us and to take up a moment if you want to bring your offering financially to him. Jesus spoke so much about money. I love this. I'm going to read something from 2 Corinthians 9. Um, to, it's actually the Apostle Paul talking about this. Each one must give as he's made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I love that. The way we're to give generously isn't just sort of like out of like, oh, I guess I should then, reluctantly, or fine, have it. I guess you like you want it. No, that's not what God wants. God's given generously the gift of Christ, given us all that we need. And he said, each one must give if they've made up their mind, not under compulsion, but with a cheerful heart. And it says this in verse eight. What a promise. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. This is the kind of God that we serve. He's able to make everything, all grace abound to you, whatever your need financially right now. Even if you're unemployed right on the like poverty line, all of God's promises are there for you. Or if you're in a place of abundance, he's able to make all grace abound at all times in all things. So I know many of you give generously online. Many of you have never even thought about money and God. God cares about your heart and he wants to bless you and give you the gift of Christ. But also one of our responses in worship is to give and trust even with our finances. So I want to invite you on the adventure and journey of giving. Click the link below and even make up in your own heart 
what can you cheerfully just give to the ministry of God in this city? Why don't you do have a cheerful heart today and click on the link below. Well, we've got a wonderful Toby Ford Weston who's going to be bringing the word of God to us again. We've got the next of our reboot series and reboot as we're coming out of the restrictions of COVID and we're rebooting kind of society. We're not just looking at society reboots, we're looking at a spiritual reboot. Just to say, this week's particular talk does hit some more, slightly more adult themes. So if you've got kids who are in a primary school age, um, this probably isn't the right preaching to sit and listen to. But I think, what, again, we had this last week. What is the deal with this? Because the Bible's real. It deals with the real issues of life. And just want to encourage you, it is going to be some slightly more themes. So if you have got smaller ears in the room, probably time to put headphones on and put something else on. But for the rest of us, let's open up our hearts and listen to the word of God together and pray that Jesus meets us. Let's listen to these words. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. The Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulphur and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the lands of the valley. And he looked and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Now Lot went up out of Zoar and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zoar. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come in after us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The next day the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him and he did not know when she lay down and when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. On uh, February 28th, 2021, a man books a white Vauxhall Astra from a car hire in Dover. Three days later, on March 3rd, a woman leaves her home to visit a friend in the Clapham area of London. At 4.45 that same day, the man picks up his car hire. Later that evening, at around 9 p.m., the woman leaves the Clapham area to walk home. Her home is around 2.5 miles away. At 
the woman calls her boyfriend, the call lasts approximately 14 minutes. The woman is next sighted at 9.32 p.m. This would be the last time that she was seen. The following morning at 8.30 a.m., the car hire is returned. That evening, the woman is reported missing and a mass search ensues. Six days later, on March the 10th, a body is found in the Ashford area of Kent. Dental records identify the body as that of a Miss Sarah Everard. On March 12th at 8.45 p.m., a man is charged. The man charged is a Mr. Wayne Cousins. July 9th, 2021, the man pleads guilty, admitting charges of kidnap, rape, and murder. Sarah Everard is abducted, abused, and abandoned. Those are some of the facts of a, a case that has really sparked the national interest in the last number of weeks and months. But as I read out the facts of the case to you, what emotions did it elicit? Perhaps as I read out what happened, you felt a sense of sadness, perhaps even a sense of grief, or maybe you felt angry. And if you felt angry, that phenomena is called righteous anger, and it's aptly named. Aptly named because it's an anger that comes right from the throne of heaven to your very heart. And while as a society we're increasingly not shying away from or apologising for this kind of demand for justice, it must be said that the Bible doesn't shy away, nor does it apologise for God's justice. And while we might struggle with God's justice, which in this story is, is fire falling from heaven and a woman being turned into a pillar of salt, the truth is if there ever was a society, if there ever was an era that might understand righteous anger, surely it would be our era. If there ever was an era that might just understand God's righteous anger, surely it would be us. With cases like that of Sarah Everard and, and George Floyd and others like it that cause us to cry out for justice. And the reality is, in many respects, we are right to. Because it's, it's how you're like God, bearing his image. And if you've ever cried out for justice in cases like that of the Sarah Everard case, then you, you, you surely understand why God has come in judgment on Sodom here. Because it's the same story. God is responding to men, again, who seek to abduct, abuse and abandon innocent parties. In this instance, two angels and a man named Lot. And they're judged for it. Meaning that in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, we're meant to be kind of sobered up to the reality that God will one day judge all sin. And with the story of Lot in the midst of the Sodom story, we're meant to be warmed up to the reality of God's mercy in spite of our sin. So we're going to take a look at how not 
to respond to this mercy. And, and to do that, we're going to be uh, looking at the life of a person I've already mentioned. He's the main character of the story, a man named uh, Lot, a man named Lot. And we're going to try and get into his head and understand what's going on in his heart, something that Glenn uh, began to help us to do last week. So previously in Genesis, uh, Abraham, the man that we have been tracking for the last number of uh, weeks and months, we learned that he has a relative and his relative is Lot. Uh, Abraham is Lot's uncle. And things start off well for Lot because God calls Abraham on this epic, dynamic um, adventure of faith and, and Lot comes with him. God calls Abraham to leave his country, his kindred at his father's house and they go on this journey together along with Sarah, uh, Abraham's wife, which really means that this is really history's first ever small group. And God would prosper Lot, he would start to increase and gain assets and the small group would really turn into a large group. However, there's a moment in Genesis chapter 13 uh, where there's friction between the two camps, the Abraham and Lot camp. Uh, Lot's shepherds and Abraham's shepherds begin to quarrel, which leads to Lot essentially separating from Abraham. Separating from Abraham. But this separation for Lot is more profound than just kind of looking to get out from under his uncle's kind of household, if you like. It's more profound than just wanting to buy a house in a different area. Because in Lot choosing to separate from Abraham, he is choosing to uh, leave his small group, and he begins to distance himself from the people of God. Put simply, Lot is backsliding. But Lot isn't aimless in what he's doing. He, he's got a little bit of a, a plan. And Lot chooses uh, to live in a city called Sodom, which has a, a neighbouring city called uh, Gomorrah. And in Genesis chapter 13, verse 10, we get an insight into what's going on in Lot's head, into his mind. It says this, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley, where Sodom was located, was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, that is the garden of Eden. Lot, in choosing to live in Sodom, was looking to pursue a new Eden, patterned after the old Eden, with the old Eden being a place where uh, all of your desires and appetites could be satisfied with the old Eden being a place where uh, people could be naked and unashamed. The same things could truly be said about Sodom, with Sodom being an attempt at Eden just without God. And so we actually find at the beginning of chapter 19, opening up the chapter, Lot sitting in the gate of Sodom, it says, sitting in the gate. And as we learnt last week, this, this kind of means that Lot would have been something of an elder in Sodom. He was a, a key mover uh, and, or, and shaker in the place. He was uh, a prominent in the city's affairs. Lot was Mr. Sodom. But there was a problem. There's a kind of a big problem. <laughs> because Lot, he believes in God. Lot is a Christian. That's probably something more profound uh, to when it says Lot was found sitting in the gate of Sodom, with him being half in Sodom, yet half out of Sodom. Uh, Lot, Lot is not hot, not cold, he's lukewarm. One foot, Sodom, one foot, kingdom. Uh, Peter, 2,000 years later or so, tries to help us with what's going on in Lot's heart. 
So we've learned what's going on in his mind and what's going on in his heart. And Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 8, says this, that Lot, he was tormenting his righteous soul over the lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Now, if, if you weren't reading carefully, perhaps I read it a bit fast, you could tend to think that what Peter just said was that the people of Sodom were tormenting Lot's righteous soul. That's not actually what it says. Peter says, he, that is Lot, he was tormenting his own righteous soul over the lawless deeds that he saw and heard. This means that by Lot choosing to watch with fascination the the lusts of Sodom, Lot was creating for himself a huge internal conflict as to who he was and his identity. The reality is Lot remembers the sincerity of his family's faith and deep down he identifies himself with the reality of God. But at the same time, Lot genuinely enjoys wearing leather trousers and living la vida loca in Sodom. This is Lot. Club Tropicana drinks are free, fun and sunshine, there's enough for everyone. Lot is loving life in Sodom, but he's conflicted. He's conflicted. He's like, I'm a Christian. Romans chapter 7 tries to help us with this, trying to help us with it. Romans chapter 7 tries to help us with this experience. It tries to detail kind of what it must have been like for Lot living in this strange, weird place. This is what it says. It says in verse 15, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Verse 19 says this, I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Ever been there? This is kind of what Lot is facing. Uh, Lot is struggling so much with leaving his old life in Sodom that he, he pleads and begs to live in Zoar. And what Zoar was, was a city, small city that wasn't a, a million miles away from Sodom. And Lot really wanted to live there, probably because the people of Zoar are, were pretty much like the people of Sodom. The reason I can say that is because it says towards the end of the story that it says Lot was afraid to live in Zoar. Perhaps he was afraid to live in Zoar because they were like the people of Sodom and he just saw the judgment that came upon the people of Sodom. So all of a sudden he's like, whoa, 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 I don't want to live there anymore. That's at the end of the story. But at the beginning of the story, Lot is pleading with the angel to live in Zoar. In fact, the only time that Lot shows any kind of zeal, any kind of chutzpah, is when he's pleading to go to Zoar. Lot is essentially saying, God, okay, I'll leave my old life in Sodom as long as I'm able to live in Sodom light. It's like when God says, Christian, pay your full obligation of tax. And we might say, oh, okay, God, um, I'll pay more tax. I wouldn't pay I would pay for the last penny, of course. I would declare everything because who does that? Or it's like when God says, Christian, stop illegally downloading uh, music and movies. We might say, oh, okay, God, what I'll do is I'll cut down. I'll only have, I'll get one or two songs a month and maybe one movie every two or three months and then that'll be all right, right? Or like when God says, Christian, 
Confess your porn addiction to someone. Or Christian, stop sleeping with your girlfriend. Oh, okay, Lord, well, what I'll do is I won't sleep with... Okay, what we'll do instead is we'll go, you know, maybe second and third base, we'll sort of stay there, or, or with the porn thing, okay, what I'm going to do is maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll cut down and manage it. Lot, leave Sodom, leave your old life, head for the hills. Oh, oh Lord, uh, can I live in Zoar? A number of years ago, I was struggling with um, a sin myself, and I was, um, I really... I, I really didn't like it, but I kind of did. I really, I, I got Romans 7. That was my jam, um, sort of 10, 12 years ago. And I remember very clearly and vividly, I asked God about it. I, come, I said, God, why do I keep stumbling in this area? And I don't really know why <laughs> I asked him, because I didn't expect him to answer. I don't think I wanted him to answer either. Uh, and to my utter shock, he did answer me. He, he answered me immediately. In fact, it was even more immediate than immediately because it was before I even finished asking the question, he came to me. And, and he, I, know, I know it was God because this, this, these words came into my mind clear as a bell, not anything I was thinking at all. And God said five words to me. I said, God, why am I stumbling in this area? God said, because you don't Fear me. Because you don't fear me. I realized that moment that all these years I've been treating God like my mate in the worst sense of the word. I hadn't been taking his loving, gracious, kind warnings of this, I haven't been taking them seriously. You know, when you're reading the Bible and Jesus, for example, says something, you're like, whoa, that's, that's quite strong. I hadn't been taking those seriously. Oh, yeah, God, he's, he's a God of grace. Oh, yeah, he's, he's kind. Oh, he's patient. Oh, yeah, 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 it says that, but come on. I realized that for years I'd been playing a game of chicken with God. Even, even now, even now, I see strands, traces of this man lot in my life. And if... If I might be so bold, I wonder if you do too. Because as God commands Lot, as God tells Lot to leave Sodom, Lot, leave it, go, Lot drags his heels at the command of God. He, he's lazy, he's leisurely, he's lingering in the face of God's command to him. And this lack of zeal, towards God the Father manifested itself in how he was as a husband and father. In that we see a particularly peculiar uh, situation that occurs with his wife. And this is what it says. It says, And God overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. What on earth is that about? Well, the reality is the angel told Lot and his wife and his two daughters to not look back as they fled Sodom. And Lot's wife, she looked back. 
But it's not, so, not as simple as just Lot's wife looked back. I don't think that's really the issue, that she simply looked back. Uh, the reason I can say that is because in the very next verse, Abraham looks back at Sodom and nothing happens to him. He, he's looking at the, the, the smoke rising from the destruction. And so I, I think that the key here in understanding what's going on is the word that's translated look back, the Hebrew word, actually means to look back, to look with regard to pleasure, to regard with favour or care. Lot's wife looked back at Sodom as a mother looks back on her only child going to their first day of school. Lot's wife would be very different from the other woman in the small group, Abraham's wife, Sarah, who was continually looking forward to the promises of God, where Lot's wife was continually looking back at the fake promises of Sodom. Sarah, Abraham's wife, pursued God and a barren woman was made fertile. Lot's wife pursued Sodom and a fertile woman was made barren, with salt being a symbol of barrenness. What's happening with Lot's purposefully unnamed wife is that there is something of a, a physical manifestation, if you like, a physical judgment of what was going on all along spiritually. We, all of us, become like what we worship. And Lot's wife became as the city of Sodom, desolate. And, and, and it's, a, it's, it's strange. It's a strange one. Because in looking back on Sodom, with these rose-tinted glasses, with fondness, she, Lot's wife must have been suppressing a whole lot. Because Sodom wasn't, it wasn't good to her. It wasn't, it can't have been. It says, it says in, the, in the passage, it says that the whole city, all of the men in the city, young and old, came out. Now, it's a city. This could have been hundreds of men. This may have even been thousands of men knocking on her front door. What they're looking to do is they're looking to sexually assault her guests and her husband. This, this must have been a traumatic time for Lot's wife. Yet she's looking back at this Sodom with fondness. It's almost like she's, she's kind of being deceived in her mind. It's almost like she's suppressing something. The reality is, though, we, we can all be like that, can't we? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done this, allowed your mind to wander at a time in your life that you know it didn't do you well. It didn't do you good. You know it. But perhaps you're finding yourself kind of looking back, looking back. Uh, maybe for you it was a previous relationship. You find your mind wandering, looking back. Or, or perhaps it was a time in your life that you lived to excess. The good old days, right? Looking back. Or maybe it's just as simple as looking back to a time just continually before you had children. Looking back. Now, the reality is this, that there's nothing wrong, again, with looking back in itself. The issue is when the looking back is with regard to pleasure, favour or care, a life that if you are a Christian, God has called you out from or at least moved you along from. The reality is, there's just no life in it. It only makes us more salty. 
And we also see Lot's fatherly failure affect his daughters in one of the most um, ugly uh, parts of the Bible. It says this, And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on the earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him. And there is a sad irony here, because Lot offered the men of Sodom the opportunity to take advantage of his daughters, yet it would be his daughters that end up taking advantage of Lot. But by taking advantage of Lot after he was stinking drunk, they became like the men of Sodom. They became predators. They likely went to the school of Sodom, learning its ways without Lot as a father, as a father effectively instilling something of the God of Abraham in them. Lot was a rubbish gardener. He's a rubbish gardener. He was looking for Eden, the garden of the Lord. Yet he failed to tend to the most important garden of all. The garden that God had given him, him primary charge over, responsibility over. The garden of his family. He would be like Adam, his father, allowing snakes to waltz in unchallenged into his garden. And he'd end up like Adam, naked, ashamed, cast out of a place that was once his home. And, and this, this isn't just kind of, oh, well, okay, you know, it's my life and, you know, I make mistakes. You know, this is only if I choose to mess up my life like Lot. No, 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 no. It's not just your life. It isn't. Because what Lot was doing was he was pulling the pin on the grenade in his life, but he was also throwing a generational pin forward. Generational grenade, specifically. This is what was going on, because through the children that he would have with his daughters, they would become the, the Moabites and the Ammonites, two tribes that would be, become enemies of the people of God for generations, worshipping the false god Molech, practising child sacrifice, even getting the people of Israel to come in on the act, causing them to be judged. No, it's not just about you, especially if you're a guy. It's not just about you. It goes forward. That's the reality. And what we see here is we see Lot, he didn't get his Eden in the end. He didn't get it. But he got in many ways a version of this culture's Eden. One version of it. Because it says Lot ends up living in a cave. It says literally, so he lived in a cave. Genesis 19, verse 13. Lot lived in a cave, or as we might call it, a man cave. Isolated from the rest of the world, in the darkness, likely depressed, eating Doritos, getting drunk, and doing things sexually that should have caused him a great deal of shame. This isn't a man. Thank God then for Jesus, who has mercy on him. So much mercy that Jesus would send his angel to rescue him and his family. 
But Jesus didn't just send his angel and kind of sit back on his cloud in heaven. By no means, no. Jesus is he's right at the centre, right at the centre of this story. Because it would be Jesus that is staying his hand of judgment, waiting patiently for Lot and his family to get out of Sodom. And as Jesus stays his hand of judgment, we see, he sees this scene develop before him. This is what happens. It says, And the men of Sodom called to Lot, saying, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us, that we may know them sexually. You imagine at this point, Lot's shoulder up against the door of his home, as hundreds, perhaps even thousands of men approach. Then this happens. They say, stand back. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot, drew near to break the door down. And as Jesus stays his hand of judgment, what, what begins to unfold is a preview. As Jesus witnesses a crowd turn on Lot, baying from, for his flesh, desiring to strip him naked, pin him down. It's a preview because Jesus would not only save Lot from a dishonourable death on this day, Jesus would save Lot from a dishonourable death on the judgment day. And the way Jesus would do that is by switching places with Lot. So that it would be Jesus that was mistreated. Jesus that was stripped naked. Jesus that was pinned down. Jesus that was abused. Jesus would be treated as unrighteous so that Lot's would be made righteous. And Jesus wouldn't be like Lot's wife. No, 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 no. Jesus would do the opposite. The Bible says Jesus didn't look back. No, Jesus set his face like flint towards his destiny, a Roman crucifixion, bearing the sins of the world on his own back. Jesus would not be like Lot, who would drag his heels running away from judgment. Instead, Jesus would choose to sprint into our judgment. Fire rained down on him from God the Father in heaven on the cross. And through it, choosing to save those who through faith would come to love him. Jesus would come and take responsibility for a situation, take responsibility for a mess that was not his. He would be a real man. Meaning that Jesus did not come 2,000 years ago to, to, to send fire from heaven on you. No, Jesus came 2,000 years ago to send fire from heaven to you, the person of the Holy Spirit, his power, his presence. Jesus didn't come to, to put you to shame. Jesus made sure that he would come so that through faith you would not be put to shame on the judgment day that is to come. So far and so effective is the work of Jesus. The Bible would go so far as to call Lot righteous lot righteous lot hang on lot isn't lot the last person that should be called righteous maybe but jesus chose him and loved him and saved him out of that what a wonderful and great salvation this is
But it's a tricky one because it's perhaps at this point you expect me to say, and the grace of God came to Lot and his life was changed. And he moved from being on the, the bad path to a good path. He was on a negative trajectory, now he's on a positive trajectory. He's not, you know, he's not perfect, but he's going the right direction. I wish I could say that, but that just simply is not the case. Because Lot would be saved, but as the Bible puts it, only as through the flames. Lot would make it to the gate of heaven, but he'd make it to the gate of heaven smelling like he smoked 20 Marlboro Lights. Lot, 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 is, Lot is dull. Lot is living compromised, defeated, passionless for God, despite the mercy that's been shown to him. So it is a strange one. He's in heaven, but kind of only just. He, he's living in a place of judgment in a cave, yet he has passed through the judgment, preferring to live in the darkness of a cave rather than in the light and with the people of God. Meaning that while we can celebrate the salvation of Lot, we can, we certainly can't celebrate the fact that he did absolutely nothing with it. A zero-passion Christian. So friends... Let me say this to you with the same zeal that the angel spoke with Lot to a lot with. Lot, leave Sodom. Lot, leave Sodom now. Lot, you've got to go. Lot, this is not a drill. I am being serious. Lot, do not dither. Do not dawdle. Do not delay. Lot, you must leave Sodom right now. Lot, God is not joking. He's not playing games here. Lot, run. Unlike Lot, it is with that same zeal that you must now take decisive, even radical steps to leave all that is Sodom in your life and start to serve the living God. And that might mean for you, that might mean for you making a big decision right now. A big decision, a life-altering decision, but you know it's right it might mean for you making a number of smaller decisions, equally as important, but smaller decisions and not looking back, following through, all the time asking God for his help, yet being resolute, utterly, utterly determined to press on and follow through. And there is no time like now. The restrictions have lifted. It's a new, new day, a new season. Why not come? Begin this adventure of serving God. Come and join us in person next week. In person. Come. This is what Haggai chapter 2 says to all of us. This is the season that we're in. If you're a Christian, this is for you. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when I came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your Midst, Fear not, for the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. This is who you are. This is who you are. Therefore, you don't belong sat in the gate of Sodom, half in, half out. 
you belong building the church so that the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it. You belong sat in heavenly places with Jesus and all in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your warnings in scripture. We thank you that they are just as much grace as your kindness. We thank you that they are your kindness. And Lord, we ask in Jesus' name for you to help us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We confess we cannot do this in and of our own selves. We need your power at work in us. So, Heavenly Father, would you come and help us first to lift our eyes to you, receive your spirit, worship you, enjoy your presence without guilt or shame or condemnation. Would you help us to follow through in the power of the Holy Spirit, to not just know that if we're Christians that we're, we've been made righteous, but to, to live, to live righteous. Give us zeal, Heavenly Father, for your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks, Tobes. Have you been in a place of just being lazy and lingering and leisurely with your attitude towards the sin in your life? Has that spirit of Lot kind of found its way in you? What's God been saying in your heart as you've been listening to this? The voice of Jesus calling, don't delay. Right now is a moment. For some of you, maybe the most important moment in your week to come right now to Jesus. He's got mercy for you, but to make some decisive action. So we're going to sing a song in a moment about the way Jesus restores and renews. And whatever's been stolen in your life through sin, and you know that happens. You know when you sin, there's loss everywhere. It affects everyone. Jesus brings restoration of his mercy. And I want to just lead you really in a prayer right now. Uh, one of the promises in the New Testament, this is in 1 John 1, verse 9, is God's forgiveness. If, you've, if you know you're in sin, don't turn to yourself, don't turn to try harder, turn to Jesus, turn to this cross. 1 John 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful, he's just and will forgive us. So I want to just lead you in a prayer of forgiveness. But right now, bring your heart to Jesus. Just guys in the room, let, let's do this together. If you know there's things in your heart where the spirit of Lot has got inside of you, just come bring yourself to him again. God, I just confess my sin to you. Whatever it is, name it. Say it out loud before him. Idolatry, adultery, pride, lust, anger, whatever it is. Bring your heart to him. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And Jesus, I come to your cross again. God, would you forgive me? Well, your blood has paid for my salvation and my sin. God, would you forgive me? Now, God, would you cleanse me from this ugh, unrighteousness? Cleanse me from this. I just pray right now, send your fire. Every person right now sends your fire of love, fire of purity, fire of cleansing, fire of mercy. God, would you come right now to every person. Friends, just draw near to Jesus. Ask him to wash you again. Just bring your heart to him. Even right now, you might just feel weird emotions. God knows you. He knows where you're at. But come to Jesus. Come to the cross. 
We just ask you right now, God, come with your spirit, come and bring forgiveness. We just pray in Jesus' name. Friends, we're going to sing this song about he renews and restores all that's lost and broken. So if you feel in a ruined place, man, you've come to the right person, come to Jesus. Come and receive his cleansing, come and receive his spirit again. Let's worship him, let's sing together. sing together, sing, I look around. I look around and all I see are burning buildings, barren trees. Hopelessness is starting to wreak havoc. But son of man, I know you see the deepest depths unknown to me. For you have planted seeds among the ashes. You rebuild, you restore all that's broken from the ruins. You redeem, you return all that's stolen from your children. That's what you do. So be still, my anxious heart. All that's gone is never lost. Emmanuel is here and he is able. So I won't let my praises stop. I'll sing it from these rubbled rocks. Cause I know you are good and you are able. You redeem, you restore.
Let's just in this place, just pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. I want to just pray uh, right now for friends, just that guys watching this at home. Let's just open our hearts to him. He's with you. He knows what's going on in your heart, in your life, what you're struggling with, what you're battling with. I want to pray, Lord Jesus, for just mercy, mercy to flow right now people who are just stuck in sin and just it's hit them fate, yeah, I've got this. Everything you just said, you just described me. Jesus, would you come right now with mercy? Those who feel like, I'm not stuck in sin, but I just, it feels like a stone in my shoe. Everywhere I walk, I'm just aware of this thing and I can't kind of get away from it. God, would you just come with mercy? Thank you for this thing about the fear of God. I pray God in your kindness, help us to fear you in the right appropriate way. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom to take sin seriously in our lives. We just, we just um, boldly uh, ask you, God, come and help us to fear you, to fear you in the, in the right sense. We just pray in Jesus' name. You know what, I'm sure for every person uh, today, God's been doing something different. We've hit some really big themes in this message, but really this hits such like the hub of what it is to be a Christian, walking with God, taking off of the old self and walking in the new self. This is actually kind of ABC, fairly just normal, everyday Christianity. So we've got a lot of brilliant stuff to talk about in live brunch today. I've had a look at some of the questions. I don't know about you, but actually grappling with how we walk this out is really important. It's not just like pie in the sky or conceptual thinking. I mean, you know, the how this outplays in our lives. How do I actually get out of the rut of sin? How do I just, instead of always looking back, how do I actually look forward in a hopeful way? We've touched on some big things here. Toby's done such a helpful, brilliant job at pointing us towards Jesus. So I just want to encourage you, please stay on just for live brunch uh, in a moment. Maybe some of you, this is your first time just like checking in with us as a church. Emmanuel, what's the next steps for you? And we'd love to get in contact with you as a church. Head over to our next steps. We've got some pastors. We'd love to get in contact with you. If you've got questions or just want to connect with one of our small groups or just want to find out a bit more about Christianity, head over there and we'd love to get in contact with you um, in the week. If you haven't done yet, I just want to say again, do come back to enjoy joining one of our in-person services. We are open in different places across the city. I just want to say, um, I know there's lots going on this summer and obviously cases are on the rise again and we need to be sensible, but man, there's nothing better than breaking bread with a brother or sister and just being together, having communion in a social distant way, in a safe way, but just being the church together. So I do want to encourage you to do that. Well, we're hitting the summer. Uh, many of us are going away on holiday, different things. We've got the youth who are at New Day this, and are away this very weekend. Please 
and remember them in your prayers and all that you're doing. I think from us here, just here, we wanted to say, God bless you. I want to just pray for you for a moment. Let his face shine upon you. Let the mercy of God be ever uh, just richer in our lives. Just be those that walk in the fear of God, taking sin seriously. And I just want to pray every person today, just checking in and, and um, just tuning in. Lord Jesus, what you've begun today, would you carry on to completion now? And for some of you, there's a moment right now you just need to make a decision. This is not going to fix itself. You need, you need right now just to decide, God, I need to make a change. And actually, for some of you, the next thing you need to do is like, as this comes off of YouTube and after live brunch, you need to sit with God and think, God, I'm not going to do this anymore. Some of you, it's a text to somebody. I just need to say, I need to talk to you about this. And just this week, you're going to go for a walk with someone. But Father, I just pray, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, help us to walk in obedience and courage with you and get to know you more this week. We just pray in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Well, we'll be a couple of minutes, then we've got live brunch. Thanks so much for joining in. God's been doing so much here in the room. I trust he has for you guys at home. We've got a fantastic time ahead of live brunch, but we'll see you guys soon. God bless. Bye-bye.
So... Live brunch. We are live. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Live Brunch. Not so... Live brunch. Not so... Live brunch. Welcome to our final episode of the Not So Live Brunch. Hopefully for just the season, we are breaking for uh, the summer and then who knows? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I've heard I'm going to have my own program. Yeah! <laughs> Christine, we're going to have a, a spin-off series with uh, Christine Lydia, The Christine Show. Maybe not. <laughs> no? Um, but who knows? Um, do feel free to voice your frustration <laughs> change, in, in the comments. The Start a petition for Live Brunch to carry on in the, in the next term. And yeah, but we had a fantastic Live Brunch episode last uh, week. Simon Brading hosted with um, Glenn Scrivener and another very intelligent person who... Oh, Ruth. Davenport, and that was brilliant. So uh, if you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. It was a superb episode. Uh, Simon was just brilliant hosting. Simon is just brilliant at everything that he does. It's a bit unfair, isn't it? Um, but anyway, Simon is also an elder now. So hey. if you haven't had a why are we talking about this? We should be getting into the questions. Uh, Simon <laughs> is an elder. The videos on YouTube of him becoming an elder. That was wonderful. So Toby, you've just finished speaking to us um, another hard-hitting, punchy sermon, which you've delivered with superb grace and, and just... I'll really enjoy listening to it. Do you want to give us a quick summary of the story that you just preached on? Yeah, um, so really it's, it's the story of Lot. Uh, and the story of Lot is um, really a sad one. It, it starts off well, um, being called alongside Abraham. And then gradually you see him kind of begin to backslide, ending up with him living in a, a city called Sodom, which has a neighboring city called Gomorrah. And in that city he becomes compromised, becomes kind of, as I put it, Mr. Sodom. Um, and he's living in this kind of weird place of um, conflict. He's kind of uh, a, a, Christ, a believer in, in, in God, you know, a Christian, a person that's following God. Um, but he's also kind of enjoying life in Sodom. And it's this kind of mixture. Uh, God comes in and, and basically says, come out Sodom, um, leave that old life behind. But Lot really is um, kind of passionless, zealless, uh, lingering, um, dragging his heels out of the old life. And he nearly gets consumed really um, but he, he gets spared but the, the tragedy of the whole story really is the fact that Lot then despite this salvation that's come to him this grace that's come to him he decides rather than to live out with the people of God with Abraham Sarah and the rest of them he decides to live in a cave by himself isolated and he sort of like disappears into nothingness so that was really kind of that's the story and I was just mm. making the points that in so many ways, we can, we can be like Lot. We can't look mm. at him and just be like, oh, silly you, because mm. our story can be his story, mm. even as Christians. It's another shocking story in the Bible. And I guess, the, in some ways, the uniqueness of, of this story, there, well, it's, not, it's not unique, there are a few stories in the Bible like this, but is that it doesn't end well. Mm. There's, no, there's no resolution mm. uh, in there. And, and yet, in the New Testament, there's it Peter who writes the, that, He's, he's called Righteous Lot. Yeah, yeah. And righteousness has been accounted to him. And I guess we, we, we touched upon the, the tension of that. But let's, let's go into that a little bit. Mm, mm. Um, but b before we, we ask uh, those questions, I guess the, probably one of the big questions that, that people might have is, um, 
you see this God of judgment and destruction. He, he destroys Sodom and Gomorrah completely. And then he, he turns a woman into a pillar of salt. Are we saying literally she was turned into a pillar of salt? And so I guess the question is, can God still do that? Or does he still do that? Mm, yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's kind of like you read the, you know, read the passage, like you say, on the face of it, you think, could, does, could this happen today? Um, I, I think the short answer is, um, well, yes, it could, in as much as God can do anything he, he wants. He, he's God. Uh, I think then the next question is, okay, well, then why haven't I seen one or two people turn into pillar of salt? Or why have I never seen it? And I think the answer to that is, again, in the New Testament, um, it talks about um, God not being slow, as some count slowness when it comes to judgment. Uh, kind of, I want to say Peter, and forgive me if that's wrong, but he's essentially saying um, people are kind of going on thinking, well, the, every day, you know, the sun comes up, the sun, you know, rises, it, it sets, things have always happened as they have, you know, what you're talking about there being a day of judgment that's to come, well, that's never happened, we've been around for thousands of years, mate, type thing, pillar of salt. Um, the reality is that the response to that is actually God is patient. This is an extended, prolonged season of God's incredible, wonderful patience to us. And the patience is um, looking to produce something. It's looking to produce what we call repentance. It's, it's, it's God's kindness, the Bible says, that leads to repentance. And it's supposed to, these sorts of stories that are littered through the Bible are supposed to make us think, actually, God, you, you can do that, and you haven't done that to me, even though actually I do deserve that because of my sin. I, am, I, like, I repent of my sin and, and come to him, and you receive the, the wonders of his grace and mercy just poured out full strength on you. Um, so, yeah, God can do that, but I think all the time that he doesn't do that is just it's the, day, it's the, the year of the Lord's favour that we're living in, and so, mm. so let's enjoy it and receive it from him. Mm. Anything to add to that, Christine? Um, just that I think that uh, we don't think about just what God is capable of um, and how all-powerful he is. And we live very comfortable, in, certainly in the rest, comfortable lives in the West, don't we, where we feel we're in control. But even with the pandemic, mm. we've seen that things are not quite as we see them always. And I think it's just bearing in mind that we, we, we think we, we know it all often, but actually God is bigger than anything that we can think about or understand actually so yes it's perfectly capable that god mm. can do anything yeah mm. yeah i'd add as well like the reality that um i forgot what i was going to say <laughs> continue what are you going to say well, i was going to ask you my of thought. I, was, I, was going to, I was jump i'm going to jump to another question okay go for it but is there's anything sold it'll come it'll come back Great. yes it's come back the motorbike that just went past helped me remember. <laughs> Basically, I think as well um, that um, there is something in relation to the fact that um, sometimes, like, there, there were kind of uh, things going on spiritually in us. Uh, and so in terms of a pillar of salt, I mentioned in the, in the message, actually, that sim it's a symbolic of kind of a, a, kind of a spiritual barrenness. Mm. And so uh, people, in, in many respects can be pillars of salt, not, mm. you know, they're functioning... Alive um, pillars of salt. Alive pillars of salt yeah. with pump-beating hearts. Wow, that's you know. that good. And, and, and the reality is that um, even sometimes... Scripture even talks about, in, in certain places, God... Um, in Romans 1. ...giving people over, right, mm. to, 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 to things. And, um, and that, that God saying, OK, go, that's your, you, over mm. to you, if you like, mm. that in itself is a judgment. Um, it's not kind of a, a physical kind of... 
zap judgment. God can do that, mm. but also there is the judgment that is not so visible physically, although it will play out uh, physically because it's there spiritually as well. That's it. That is extraordinary. That's an extraordinary comparison because in some ways, um, with um, Lot's wife, not Sarah, was, what was Lot's wife? She's she not named. Well, she's not named. Uh, Lot's unnamed wife uh, turned into a pillow of salt. Mm. Uh, and that was it. That was the end of her story. There was no possibility of redemption for her. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, in, as far as the Bible goes, we don't hear about her in any positive way unlike Lot. But there is, at least I've encountered this, even Christians who have backslidden, in some ways they go from having encounters and, and, and confessions of the, that Jesus is Lord to completely the opposite end of the spectrum where, or end of spectrum where to a certain extent they're like, no, I, have, I want nothing to do with this God. And even if he's God, I don't, want, I don't want anything to do with him. And then they get to a point of saying, well, I don't believe in this God. And there's almost like a barrenness in, in their thinking and in, in their heart. But yet their story isn't finished. Mm. And mm. <laughs> praise God that he hasn't turned them into a, a physical pillar of soul, that they're, they're still alive and there is that opportunity of redemption. And it, yeah. it just gives us, it should just spark in us something to pray for, sure. for those dear friends and families. I'm, I'm sure people come to mind who are like, man, you really walked with God a few years ago and you walked away. And, and I guess for us who are, by God's grace, in a place of submission to God's authority, is a good warning to us of the danger of turning your back on God and turning your eyes to something which is not from God, which is God, which is God, maybe God's rescued you out of or moved mm. you on, yeah. as you said, because the danger is you might not be turned into a physical pillow of soul, but your mind could become uh, infertile mm. in, from a spiritual perspective. Mm. And there's for a great sure. warning for that. Towards that. For sure. And even in amongst it, you know, thinking about people that have kind of perhaps wandered away from God, uh, just, just so struck by Jesus' love for Lot. Absolutely. I mean, I didn't go into it because I didn't want to kind of almost big lot up in a sense, trying to do the opposite with lot, really. But, um, but how wonderful that this guy that's lived such a, just a worthless life, Jesus would go to such lengths to save him and his, and his family. He, he cared, and it's just mm-hmm. like, wow. And, and, and so there's, there's hope for anyone. It's not according to our righteousness or you know, how good we say we are. No, it's, a, it's according to Jesus' love and choice. And there's always, he's just a God of mercy. He is a God of patience. He is a God of love. And there's always a chance. <laughs> you never know. And like, like you said, just being in prayer for people, knowing that actually, why not? Why, why wouldn't Jesus go and send his angel and, and deliver this person out of the, the Sodom that they're in at the moment? I guess the fact that the story is recorded it meant somebody narrated those details which happened in isolation. So whether it was uh, Lord's daughters or Lord, or maybe the children that were born out of that terrible union, somebody along that journey recounted what happened. Maybe there was some repentance. Maybe there was a moment where they connected back with Abraham and, and shared those stories because they have become a part of, of scripture and tradition. Anyway, that's just me thinking. Out we, don't know. we don't know. Um, another question is, we see a, a city that is, is clearly full of evil mm. uh, and violence and just, and just terrible stuff. As Christians, uh, should we, what does this Bible, what does this story say to us? I'd love to hear your wisdom on this. Mm. Do we run away from cities where there's, where there's violence that, are, that is prevalent, where there's immorality, where there's mm. evil, where there's mm. the stuff which is very clearly against God's plan for creation? Or do we run to it mm. and, and bring 
be the salt uh, and the light of the earth. Yeah. What would be your take on that? I'd say that um, perhaps the best thing to do is to go and live in Peacehaven, where I live, which is the best <laughs> place on earth where the bunnies sing and the mountains clap their hands. No mountains. And this um, is why live brunch is no longer <laughs> It's now cancelled. Um, no, back to reality. Um, it's, it's a really important question. And, um, yeah, I, I guess the, the, the answer that I would give is, um, and Christina, I'm sure you'd get some thoughts on this as well, is uh, God, the Bible calls us to be, live in the world, okay, in the world. Uh, and that means that uh, we are called, if you're a Christian, to love and serve and pray for um, people that kind of, don't believe what you believe, don't think how you think, don't worship even the same God. We're, we're called to be a blessing like Abraham was, to, 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 to um, yeah, just to be in the world, to live in the midst of the peoples. And that, that's a calling on us, generally, more broadly, in, in the world, being on earth. And, and that will work itself out to being in cities like Brighton, um, you know, famous for the amazing things it's famous for, but also with some negative uh, things in the city as well and I, I think with Lot, the, the, uh, Glenn touched on it last week, the issue isn't so much that um, uh, Lot lived in Sodom, it's more that Sodom lived in Lot, mm. that was the issue and he had, he had no converts, there was no one that was a Christian, in fact I didn't go into it but his sons, even his sons-in-law rather, they, they thought it was a joke, he literally, they, he, they laughed in his face, they were like this guy, so he, he totally invested in the city, but it wasn't for change. It was mm. just to kind of go along with, just to drift, mm. go along with the rest of the city. And, and that's not what God calls us to uh, at all. And I think part of that is the isolation. I mean, he wasn't, it's not like he went in with people that said, right, we're going to mm. sort of, if you like, plant here. He was by himself and he just kind of was this isolated figure from the people of God anyway and drifted. And, and what the saddest thing is, again, um, if, if there were 10 people, righteous people in that city, only a few converts, God would have spared the city of Sodom, but mm. there wasn't. Uh, it's questionable how many there were in the end. So, so I, I think that, that sh it shouldn't deter us from living in cities, but I think there is a, a, a kind of a warning in that kind of thing. Mm. Is, is this, is, am I affecting this city or is this city really sort of, for want of a better word, tainting or you know, affecting me for the negative? And I think we've just got to be honest about, with that about ourselves. You know, what, 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 what is... Who, you know, who is receiving from who? Is the city receiving from me or mm. myself, the city? And I'm not talking about, you know, the enjoy, enjoying city, going to coffee. I'm talking about spiritually. I think it was really powerful when you, you really almost got in the camera's face and you talked about him being a dad and the kind of Sodom and Gomorrah principles that his daughter seemed to, or thinking that his daughter seemed uh, to have taken on. Mm. It's just, a, again, man, you failed as a dad. If mm. that's how you're... It showed how much of Sodom had got into... Uh, his daughters and just like her, again, not just with earthly children or physical children, earthly physical children, it's, it's, it's people that you're responsible for mm. within the community, within mm. this church, the importance of teaching them uh, good principles and, and teaching them the Bible and teaching them who Jesus is, is massive. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to say that um, Lot got himself into this situation. He wasn't obedient to God. Mm. You know, God told them to live in the land, didn't he? Not the cities. Lot made choices that led him to this place. Mm. Now, if God calls you to a city and you're obedient to that, that's one thing, and you can be fruitful in that. But if you are actively disobeying God, then it's not likely that good is going to come from mm. it, wherever you are, whether you're in Peacehaven with the bunnies or not. <laughs>
Uh, one last question before we, we wind up. Um, I, I'm, this is a question that I would ask personally. Um, often in moments of great vulnerability and temptation, stories like this about Lot having lived this, this wretched life and this life of whatever, giving into himself and isolation and, and all of this. Uh, like the, 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 there's this terrible story that outworks, and, and yet he's counted righteous. Yeah. Uh, how do you live without taking God's grace for granted and not going into that dangerous thinking of, well, if, if God could forgive Lot for that, then surely he's got me and I can do whatever I want to do and then I'll die and get to heaven. Mm. I think it's about having a big view of who God is and what he's like. And like Toby said, about having the fear of the Lord. And that's, that's a fear of the Lord is really about, you know, really giving him reverence for who he is. If we've got that kind of relationship with him, we do experience his love, but we also know well, he's so amazing, so different. So, you know, he's completely different to me. Yeah. I'm going to confess my sin because of that. And I think confession is something that we don't talk about a lot mm. in terms of having a daily habit mm. of just confessing to God yeah. what's happened because when we don't do that we're getting a bit callous and casual yeah. and I think that's when we're starting on that slippery slope towards taking grace for granted. Mm. Brilliant. Mm. And like, Brilliant. You know you asked how, how do I sort of not sort of take sort of the grace of God for granted my answer would be apart from what Christine's already said enjoy it. Mm. Like, go and enjoy it. Like, enjoy the grace of God. Enjoy having God as a father. Read Ephesians chapter 1. Mm. All the blessings in there, adoption and, 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 and being made holy and all mm. these wonders. Like, just go and marinate in it. Just mm. enjoy, enjoy it. Um, and when, obviously, I'm not talking about go and live li licentiously. You know, we don't sin so that grace would abound, as, as mm. Romans said. But to enjoy the goodness, enjoy the favour of God. He loves you. And, and, and I think that is pro probably the greatest weapon Brilliant. against it. Because as we're enjoying it and living in the good of it, mm. um, we see how precious it is. Mm. <laughs> we think, mm. wow, I can't believe I get to have this type of fellowship with the, with the God Almighty. Mm. Uh, and, and I think that that fear of the Lord is, is in there. It's such a strange, I mean, it's, uh, to be fair, I think Simon did, if you, if you watch the service, he did a really good ho job hosting afterwards. I, th my definition of the fear of the Lord is kind of not a fear that, causes you to run away from something mm. but a fear that causes you to sort of draws you in mm. uh, you can see that you know even i try to think of a good example but you know you could go to like a mountain range or a cliff and like there is a part of you that's like a little bit afraid right you're like oh gosh this is quite high up but there's something that's kind of like i want to kind of peek over the edge there, there is this kind of fear that's drawing you in that's really what the fear of god is mm. and uh, but lot it seems like he had the wrong fear of God. I mean, it's perhaps reading a bit much into the story, but I think it's there to be read into. He, he lives in the cave. It's almost like mm. he saw the judgment of God and he was just terrified of living in Zoar, terrified of, mm. of this God. And it's a shame because God, God didn't, he wanted Lot. Like he, he wanted him. And, and, and Lot was like, you know, I'd stand back. And again, he's saved, praise God. But, you know, um, so yeah, I think that, that healthy, appropriate, um, uh, awesome, fear of God is just a, a wonderful gift. As I said, it, it was that discovering the fear of God Brilliant. really helped me. And it wasn't, um, it, was a, it was a strange thing to say, but it was a joy to discover. It wasn't like, oh God, I fear God now. It's like mm. a, 
oh, it's like a it's like a releasing joyous thing mm. to have the fear of the Lord. That was my experience. And Simon also so mentioned earlier on that um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm. So your question was. How do we not take grace for granted? Actually, if we fear God, we do mm. have wisdom to make choices mm. between two paths. And it's the, it's the path of folly or the path of wisdom. Mm. So that's why, again, why it's really important that yeah. we have that sense of the yeah. fear of the Lord. The thing that I've been really dwelling on, uh, contemplating recently, is the goodness and the kindness of God. Mm. And he says that he's kind towards his, his children, those who fear him and those who love him. Yeah. He's good towards them. And, and knowing that God's plan for you is only good. Yeah. And it's, it's only kindness. Yeah. And being obedient to him and submitting yourself to him will only result in goodness. And it might be maybe hard in the moment or frustrating from certain perspectives, but just understanding that his heart is, is, is good. And, and as a father with young children, yeah. I know when they're frustrated with me, it's like, well, you don't know because I'm, I'm I will, uh, this is for your good that I'm there for these, these things in place. Um, the whole thing about um, like sleeping around with your girlfriend and, and messing around, marriage is, is a good thing. Staying married and faithful to one spouse is a good, beautiful thing. And sometimes and marriage is, is hard work. Um, but it does result in good fruit. And I think just knowing that, why, why is it good? Because of the hard work I've put in? No, it's because God ordained it to be good. Mm. It's always been his plan for, to bless his children, to say, go get married yeah, uh, and prosper. And I think just understanding that God's plan for your life is, is a good plan. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We are carrying on with the Reboot series. Um, uh, Toby and, and Matt Carls will be speaking to us over the next few weeks. But... Have a wonderful summer and thank you so much for joining us at the Not So Live Branch. We've enjoyed, we hope you've enjoyed listening and we've enjoyed having you listen to us and have a wonderful summer. See you later.